The Unstoppable Entrepreneur Show, episode 559. Welcome to The Unstoppable Entrepreneur Show, 20 minutes or less of power-packed strategy to disrupt your thinking, elevate your mindset, and help you scale your sales online. I'm Kelly Roach, let's get started. All right, welcome back guys. Thank you so much for tuning in for the Unstoppable Entrepreneur Show. I have an incredible treat for you guys today. I have Natasha Hastings with me. And if you don't know Natasha, she is an Olympic world and US national champion uh, track and field sprinter. So you guys know here on the show, we talk about this, this concept every single day. If you wanna be in the 1%, you have to train like the 1%, which means that you need to train for your business like an athlete trains for their sport. So Natasha, I am so so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for carving out time to be here. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So yeah, I mean, in addition to being obviously an Olympic and, and world champion, a, a medalist, all of these amazing things, you're a mom, uh, you give back in a massive way. You have a couple companies of your own. Um, you're, you're really contributing to the mental health movement and, and so much more. So I would love to dig right in today, Natasha, to really what your routine um, is in terms of keeping your mental fitness, your, your mindset in check, um, your head and your heart in the right place to be able to do it all and balance it all. Because, you know, I, I think starting there with the mental piece and then, and then we could get into a little bit of the physical, but can you share a little bit about that with us here? Well, I want to start off by saying that um, routine is incredibly important. But as a new mom, I'm learning to be a little bit flexible with myself where that routine is concerned. Um, I have a very, very active nine-month-old. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, my God. You're in throws, it. You're in it. That, that throws uh, quite a big monkey wrench in, into things. So I think, you know, having a routine, number one, is very, very important. But I think also um, allowing for some room for flexibility and forgiveness of yourself when it doesn't necessarily um, work out as planned. So like, for example, when you're talking about mental health and I really like to take some time for myself first thing in the morning and also in the evening before he goes to bed. But I also like to get my workouts in in the morning. Sometimes we're having a little bit of a clingy rough day and you know, it's a, it's a little bit tougher for me to get away from him. So maybe I don't get my workout in at 9 a.m. as I planned but I get it in at 4 p.m. Um, so just kind of allowing myself to have that flexibility, but also still being intentional about taking that time for myself. So, you know, even if it's just 30 minutes after he goes down to bed, um, I've done some decorating, I guess, in my backyard to kind of, um, you know, I call it my Zen place. You know, if I can get out there for 30 minutes before I go to bed, that's great. Um, mm -hmm. But I think the biggest thing is, is A, carving out that time, but B, being a little bit flexible and forgiving of myself if, you know, it doesn't necessarily happen or even look the way that I wanted, expected it to look. Right, right. So, so talk to me a little bit. I think that's so important. You have to have the discipline of the commitment, but you have to be flexible in that we're living a real life here, right? So it's, right. it's not exactly. that you, it's not that the, that the, 
exercise or the commitment to yourself gets broken, it's that you may need to be you know, a little flexible in, in the parameters of what that looks like. But how do you become a world champion? How do you become an Olympic gold medalist? Like, what did that training process look like for you? God. Um, <laughs> like, I need really people to hear this. I, I want them to hear the 1% of the 1% of the 1%. Like, what did that look like for you? It's, it's grueling and it's interesting, right? Because I do a lot of work with young girls and I, I really work hard to bring girls into sport and keep them into sport. And that's like a big question, right? And I'm always like, mm, I don't really want to tell you, right? Because if I tell you, you won't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So yeah. there's that side of it. But then there's also the side of it that um, because it's such a lifestyle of mine, because it's what I know I have to do, it's what I've chosen to do, that I do my best to not overcomplicate it, which mm -hmm. is difficult for me because I am an overthinker by definition. That is just who I am. I analyze things down to the nitty gritty. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to make the comparison and, you know, I'm a new mom, so everything goes back to him, but I'm, I'm going to make the comparison to childbirth that... Um, <laughs> it really wasn't that bad for me. <laughs> I, I laugh in saying that because I'm like, somebody's going to hear this and be like, she's showing off. But mm -hmm. <laughs> it wasn't that hard for me because I was able to tap into a space of this is here and now, this is what's happening. You have to keep yourself together in order for yourself and your baby to be safe. Mm -hmm. this, this is like no other race. Yeah. This we're Absolutely. Just, we're just like that. Um, I didn't know I was in labor. I was probably in labor for about six hours. I didn't know I was in labor until the last two hours. The first four hours, I thought I was having Braxton Hicks uh, contractions. Mm -hmm. So, But I just have this mindset that this is what I do. It's got to get done. Um, again, going back to flexibility, it doesn't always work out the way that I want it to, but when it doesn't work out that way, I have the flexibility and the resilience to pivot when necessary. And I just roll with the punches. I just, you can't make it more difficult than it already is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When you look back on your journey, Natasha, and all the sacrifices that you made and the discipline and the commitment and the years of training to achieve what you have, um, what what is the feeling that you have like looking back on your life in in that now obviously you're helping get girls into the sport you're doing all of this work to give back like you have this platform for good that you're obviously utilizing very very well now because of the credibility and the authority and the discipline and the years of commitment right so looking back on that like when you describe to people, you know, and they say, was it worth it? Is it worth it? Like you, you gave up so much, you disciplined yourself, like you fought so hard to get here. Like, what is the feeling now with where you are, where it's like you, you climbed to the top of the mountain and now you really are focusing on, on pouring that into other people in so many different ways. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it was worth it because I gave up so much, but I gained so much. And you know, everything from experiences, um, traveling the world, getting my education, my lasting friendships and relationships have come through sport. Um, some of my, not well, not some of, all of my best friends I've pretty much met through sport. Um, and then also understanding what sport has done for me in order to prepare me for life after. 
sport as well. Um, you know, I talk about with my foundation, uh, there's a statistic out there that something like 91 or 92% of um, all women in uh, C-suite level jobs have played sport at some point or another in their life. Employers love hiring athletes. Um, so <laughs> it, it's interesting though, because you know, as I look back on my career, sometimes I, I can be um, overcritical and you know, my experience in my 30, almost 34 years of life has been pretty much track, but um, I have gained so many experiences that I think have been beneficial, not only for me personally, but in my business life and as a mother, that it, it totally was all worth it. I mean, I can literally apply what I've learned in sports to almost every walk of my life. Yeah. Yeah, I compare that very much to training for your business. You know, the the personal growth that you have to go to to become uh, a successful entrepreneur is very much like sport. And once you go through that, those skills that you have, that mindset, that mental toughness, the growth that you have to become a better, stronger person to overcome those hurdles, mm -hmm. it stays with you forever. Like right. no one can ever take that away from you. Like muscle memory. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So it's, you know, I, and I agree with you. I have a lot of athletes on my team here on Team Unstoppable. I'm a former athlete myself, and it, it definitely makes a huge difference. Yeah. Having that training, having that to fall back on, um, it, it really does support so many other things in life. But um, for you, Natasha, uh, what are some of the things that have been like the, the biggest setbacks or, or challenges that you came up against as you were kind of rising up through to get to where you are? Um, it, myself. <laughs> and when I say myself, um, it was the way that I was speaking to myself. And I realized that, you know, I was putting in incredible work, right? No, I've, I've had several coaches throughout my life, several tons and tons of teammates. No one can ever say Natasha doesn't work hard, right? But for some reason, um, it wasn't translating to competition, to my performance. And largely, I, I can't even say largely, 100%, um, it was due to me not having confidence in myself and the work that I was putting in. Um, and so that's the, one of the main reasons why I'm a big advocate for mental health, because, you know, just understanding my worth just made such the difference in my performance on the track. I wasn't doing anything different training wise, diet wise. I was doing everything I was supposed to do, but it was simply the way that I was speaking to myself. And it was simply the way that, you know, I, I hadn't, found my worth you know so even now when i'm i'm in the negotiating rooms or you know someone's asking me to come and speak and it's like what's your price like i have to empower myself to ask for what i'm worth what i know i deserve and not be afraid to you know demand and command what i'm worth but for a long time there i did not have an understanding of that and i did not believe in myself. I didn't believe in my training and it, it definitely showed up. And I, I want to point out that it showed up not only on the track, but in my personal life too. And so, you know, yeah. by figuring that out and just making that, I just making that adjustment, I saw a shift in all areas. Yeah. At what point in your journey, Natasha, did you recognize this about yourself and be like, wait up, 
you know, hold up a second. What, like, what am I doing? Like, where, where is this coming from? And how do I, how do I create change? Like, where were you in the journey when this started coming up for you? And then like, how did you come to this realization? And then when you did, what did you do to break out of it? How did you break out of that? Because negative self-talk, negative, you know, awareness, uh, self-worth, like this is something that a lot of people face. So I'm sure they would love to hear like, how did you navigate that? And then maybe they get some ideas for how they can navigate that. Yeah, so it took my mom shaking some sense into me. Um, and I was, it was right after the 2012 Olympic trials. I didn't make the team. Um, and it was sort of like my lowest of lows in sport, back against the wall kind of situation. And to kind of cut to the meat of the story, uh, my mom and I ended up having a conversation where mom always knows everything. <laughs> and she said to me, you know, when I see you on the track, you look like you don't believe that you belong to be out there. You know, do you know that you're just as good and even better than the rest of the women out there? And um, I was like, yeah, I'm fine, mom. Like, <laughs> I'm totally fine. Um, and uh, she said, well, I was actually sitting next to this guy in the stands at the trials. And um, he's actually a sports psychologist and he offered to work with you take his phone number down when you're ready, give him a call. And so I gave him a call and um, our very first session, he asked me, you know, so what are you telling yourself when you're standing on the line? And that's when all of those negative things came out of my mouth. And it took him saying to me, my God, I can't believe that's how you've been talking to yourself. You've lost the race before the gun has even gone off. Wow. So let me ask you something. Before he asked you that question, had you ever had the self-awareness before that to even know that you were saying those no. things to yourself? No. See, that's amazing. And that's why I wanted to ask you, Natasha, because I think we do this all the time. I think we self-sabotage and we don't even know that we're doing it. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so now you're, now you're in the conversation, right? And he's like, <laughs> okay. He's like, yeah, dude, you're, you're killing it before you even get started. Like we got, we got to, we got to stop this. But then like, what did that process look like for you of like changing that? Like, how did you, so it's like, now you have the awareness. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you start changing your beliefs, changing your feelings, breaking out of that to see yourself differently, to really see what your worth is and, and what your capabilities are? Right. That was, you know, working on what those tools were. So I think, you know, first and foremost, for me, as a black woman, as an athlete, um, being able to say and ask for help, say I need help, ask for help. I think there is a, um, I don't know, a myth, a misconception that asking for help or admitting that you need help is a sign of weakness. Um, being vulnerable is a sign of weakness. So I would say the first step is just even acknowledging like, hey, something isn't right here. Even if, I mean, I'm in therapy now and sometimes we sit down and we talk and I'm like, I'm feeling something, but I don't know what the heck I'm feeling. Let's like dive through it, you know? But just having the self-awareness to even say, I need help. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going through something here. I don't know what I'm going through. Let's figure it out. But then what are the tools and, and, you know, making use of those tools. And so the very first thing that we started doing was changing my language. And, you know, it was, it was a very simple, you know, let's change your negative thoughts to positive thoughts. The second you have a negative thought, change it into a positive thought, change it into what you know to be true. Because nine times out of 10, that negative thought 
isn't even real to begin with. So it was taking those steps that like, hey, all right, maybe I do need some help here. Maybe what I'm doing is not working and I need to try something different. Allow myself to be vulnerable and then do the work to make the change. Yeah. No, that's amazing. That's, that's amazing. It's funny. I, I recorded a video this morning and I was literally talking about how, like how it's time to know when to ask for help and that it's so important to recognize asking for help is a sign of strength. It's a sign of confidence yep. to say like, I want to be more, I want to be better, like help me get there. Right. But right. I think our perception, our natural perception is always, you know, does this make me look bad? Does this, you know, does this, um, you know, misposition me? So, um, when you, when you, were initially training and like coming up through, I think you started running when you were like nine, right? Yeah. Started at a really young age. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so when you were kind of coming up through Natasha, like, did you already have your sight set on this, this track for yourself or like, when did that come into play for you? Yeah. And that's why I say like, it's a lifestyle. I never made it hard. <laughs> uh, or I shouldn't say I, I never made it hard, but it was, I, 1996, I was 10 years old. The Summer Olympics were in Atlanta. Um, and I remember watching the um, Olympics. That was also my first summer in uh, summer track. Both of my parents were in track. My mom made the 84 Olympic team for Trinidad. So it was just, I mean, making the connection when I was 10 that like, hey, I want to grow up to be that person running on track. I do that now. I want to be that person on TV. But of course, the older I got and, you know, I went through some things that, you know, it kind of went up and down. Like sometimes sure. I really wanted to do this and other times, oh, I'm not so sure. But, you know, there were definitely certain things throughout my life that, um, you know, were either motivators or, you know, confirmers that this was the thing that I wanted to do. But yes, I knew very, very early on that I wanted to go to the Olympics one day. Oh, that's amazing. So when you did start working um, with the psychologist, the sports psychologist that was really helping you reshape your belief system, how long was it until you started like seeing these breakthroughs in your performance? And like, what was that experience like for you? Were you kind of like, wow, this actually works? Or like, what, like, what were you thinking? Like, as you started going through and doing this work, I guess you would say like this work on yourself. Yeah. Um, I wish I remember the time frame because um, I want to say we probably started that fall. Um, so the, the trials were in June. We probably started working together in the fall of 2013. And then we worked all the way through to, um, I would say the, the, the race that I remember that was like, oh, wow, this is, this is real, was um, a race in New York City. And um, I'd had a poor race the week before. And <laughs> I'm from New York City and there was this thing like, oh, maybe she shouldn't go back home. Maybe she can't handle the pressure of being in front of the home crowd. And um, it was a cold rainy day. And I remember my entire warm up. I kept telling myself the sun is shining in lane seven. Lane seven was my lane. The sun is shining in lane seven. I literally kept telling myself that over and over. And the gun went off and I don't remember the race, but I remember when I crossed the finish line, it was the best time that I'd run since leaving college. And I'd left college at that point about five years. Um, so it was, you know, a literal experience of taking a negative thought, only filling my mind with positive thoughts, staying focused on what I knew to be true 
um, and just kind of seeing it turn around that quickly because I literally had a bad race the week before and that following week, I think I probably dropped like over a second um, in, in that race from wow. the prior race and under poor conditions at that. Um, so, I, I mean, it was less than a year to answer your question mm -hmm. <laughs> of how long it took. Um, but I do wish that maybe it's a good thing that I don't know, because I also feel like there, there shouldn't be comparison of one's journey, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it might take someone a year, it might take someone one session with a psychologist, everyone's journey is different. But what matters is, you know, doing the work and actually putting the tools into practice. Yeah. And there's the doing the work and there's also the doing the work on yourself. And that's kind of the distinction that I want to make because you were always doing the work. You were right. training, you were right. running, you were preparing, like you were doing all the things. But it was when you combined doing the work with doing the work on yourself mm -hmm. that you were able to unleash a level of potential that the work alone couldn't. And I think that's really some food for thought for everyone that's listening today, because I always feel like there's a next level, you know, there's always a next level for all of us. Right. We can always grow. If we're alive, if we're breathing, well, there's something that we can become more and becoming more doesn't necessarily have to be another accomplishment on the board. Becoming more can be stretching your awareness, giving back in a bigger way, making a bigger difference. It doesn't need to be more money in the bank or another accolade. But I, I think that for a lot of people, they attempt to do one, they work on themselves, but they don't do the work. And then they're like, why isn't this working? And then they do the work, but they're not doing the work on themselves. And it's like, why isn't this working? I think it's really powerful for you to reveal kind of how those things came together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So what advice do you have for people that you know, they want to be that 1%. They want to train, you know, for, for their business, like an athlete trains for their sport and become the best of the best. Like, what would you say to them? Jesus. Um, <laughs> loaded question. Loaded yeah, and then it's loaded and there's so many things like floating around my head and I'm like, okay, which one, where? Um, several things. I mean, you know, going back to just number one, believing in yourself, but number two, um, being realistic about how scary it is. Um, and you know, it's, it's corny, but it's true. If your goals don't scare you, they're not big enough, but then you have to take the time to break your goals down into smaller goals. And, you know, that's for me conquering every workout one day at a time. When I get to the workout and coach says, all right, we've got five, five hundreds. And I'm like, five, what? Okay. It's one, five hundred at a time. It's, it's taking it, taking the time to break it down into the smaller goals, the smaller steps, and then also celebrating the small victories along the way. Because I think we get lost in, you know, how big our goals are and how, you know, the, the bigger picture that, you know, when that one thing goes wrong along the journey, we feel like ugh, all hope is lost, right? And it's, it's not true, but also, like I said earlier, having the flexibility that like, I had a bad race last week, but I'm going to have short-term memory. I'll learn from that race, but I'll also go back to all of the work that I've been doing up to this point and know that that race might've been lost, but there's still another race to win today. Yeah. Um, but then there's also, you know, your accountability crew, um, or, or I like to call it my, my, um, my board members, right? Who's that person that, you know, when I, 
subconsciously fall off track that holds me accountable or they just see that hey i see you working really hard over here on this but maybe we need to work a little bit on this this is your weakness let's let's figure this out um i think it's incredibly important that we have not only yes people in our corner but people that will i don't know how clean this show is but you know we'll get in your behind that like you know mm -hmm. the work has to get done you're slacking in this area let's let's tighten it up here how can i help you in this area um i think it's really really important that you have that core group in your life so not one straight answer <laughs> no but that's great i mean these yeah. are the things that you have to think about absolutely and yeah. yeah i mean you you need someone in your corner that is challenging you to become more in whatever way that is relevant in your life right now and that could be parenting that could be spirituality business life giving back whatever it is but right. yeah absolutely you know not being afraid of what that can reveal or you know not being close-minded to the challenges that, that opening up that can of worms is going to present right because you you know you're going to open some things up but um natasha you know first of all obviously congrats on all of your unbelievable success and it's you know so so cool to get underneath of that and, and explore that a little bit with you so thanks for everything that you shared but i know that you're also doing a lot of amazing things to give back i mean you're like you're doing it all. i mean not only she's a spokesmodel she you know you're you're modeling you're on the cover of people magazine I mean, this is what you're everywhere, but, but talk about your foundation and talk about the work that you're doing with young girls. Yeah. So our mission is to be, well, it's okay. Let me backtrack. Sorry. It's the Natasha Hastings foundation. <laughs> and, um, our mission is to be the starting block for girls to become women of confidence in sport and life. And what that is, we do work through empowerment clinics and, um, we call them tea times, <laughs> but we also do scholarships, which, um, obviously with COVID-19 things are kind of at a standstill a little bit but ultimately I, I started the foundation with a lot of my journey in mind um, from every aspect of you know knowing that I wanted to be an Olympian early on but not necessarily having the tangible resources of like someone coming back and saying hey this is what it looked like this is the work that I did this could be you too Right. But then also knowing the body image struggles that I had, the mental health issue struggles that I had that I didn't recognize till I was in my 20s. Man, what if I capture these girls before they're in their teens and they can work through these things before they get to that? Um, and then also providing girls with the opportunities that I had as far as, you know, going to high school nationals and being able to showcase my talents to get a scholarship, to go off to college, to college, excuse me. Um, so that's in a nutshell <laughs> the work that we're doing through the foundation um if anybody's interested in supporting or learning more about our organization you can find out more information at nhfcares.org thank you so much for sharing that and of the eight hundred thousand different projects that you're working on and amazing things that you're doing what are you personally most excited about right now like what are you what are you most fired up about right now that you've been a part of or that you're working on uh, I, it, it's not really the answer that you're looking for, but like, I'm honestly totally obsessed with my son. <laughs> no, and I think that's amazing. I get it. I get I it. Think, I think largely because of also my passion for mental health. And I look at my little black boy, Joy, and I look at 
number one, how he's developing. He's so full of life. He's so full of personality. I'm like, there's no way you're nine months and you're like raising your eyebrows and you know all these little things. You, you, <laughs> I love you know it. what no yeah. and come here means, but somehow you're acting like you don't know. But I know you know. But um, when I think about, you know, being an advocate for women in the way that I am and thinking about what's needed for women, I also think about what's needed for men and just, you know, wanting to raise an emotionally intelligent and mature boy that, you know, I'm not that mom that says, you know, stop crying, don't feel, be a man. You know, I really want to raise a boy that, you know, is empathetic and can, can identify his feelings. I don't want him to be that, like me, that like, I'm like, I don't know what I'm feeling, but I know I'm stressed. Like what, what's going on here? Like, I want to raise a boy that can, you know, say I need help and not be afraid mm -hmm. to say I need mm -hmm. help. Mommy, that hurt my feelings. And I'm okay with apologizing for hurting your feelings. You know, like I've, I've really looked forward to raising and just, just seeing what amazing being he's going to be one day. I love that. And it is, a, it is incomparable. It is absolutely incomparable. And, and I, I feel the same with Madison. So I totally get that. Well, I, I want to thank you so, so much for carving out the time to be on the show today. Thank you. I also want to let people know like where they can connect with you and just kind of like follow along with your journey and everything that you're doing. So what, where are you hanging out most of the time on social media? Like where can people get in touch? Yeah, I'm, I'm on Instagram pretty much all day long. <laughs> and I keep it simple. Everything is my name, Natasha Hastings. So if you want to check out my website, NatashaHastings.com, um, Instagram, Facebook, everything is Twitter. Everything is Natasha Hastings. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much, Natasha. We really appreciate having you on the show. Thank you. I, this was fun. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Glad to have you. And thanks so much to everybody for tuning in and, and listening to the show today. Make sure that you hit us back here next week. You know, we're live every Thursday at five o'clock across social media platforms for the Unstoppable Entrepreneur Live. And we'll see you back here next week. To join the absolutely free live launch workshop where you will learn the simplest method on the planet to simplify your launches and scale your service-based business online, text live launch, all one word, to 44222. Text live launch to 44222. We'll see you on the inside.